Any examples used are for illustrative purposes only and do not take into account your particular investment objectives, financial situation, or needs, and may not be suitable for all investors. It is not intended to predict the performance of any specific investment and is not a solicitation or recommendation of any investment strategy. This is another money show. Get set for another hour of the latest financial information and economic news affecting your bottom line. JR and Anthony are committed to helping more Americans like you optimize their income, reduce their tax risk, and reach financial freedom. So let's start the show. Here are your hosts, Anthony Correo and JR Rochford. Here we are, your hosts, Anthony Carew and J.R. Rochford, taking a break from our day-to-day -day as financial advisors with Rochford & Associates, a fully independent, fourth-generation family business right here in the greater Phoenix area. Coming here to bring you information you may not find on those other financial news shows. We're aware the last thing you need is another money show. But we appreciate you being here. Thanks for holding down the fort last week when I was not here uh, this week, we're going to play you clips. We bring up all the time, uh, you know, that, that Fed meeting from last November, or not sorry, not Fed meeting, FDIC meeting, when they talk about bank closures, they talk about bail-ins, they talk about whether or not they want to give, you know, any information to the public. They also tell you that if they're going to close down uh, these banks, that hopefully they'll be doing it on Friday, you know, so it gives everybody time to cool off. All the same stuff your humble host, J.R. Rochford, has been telling you for 15 years if you've been in this office or, you know, been in the office to see him. Um, definitely been bringing it up for the last year and a half that we've had on this show, but we have clips that we refer to all the time. We're going to play them, but we're going to start off with, we had a little pregame before this show, and uh, Jim was asking us questions, and I we said to save that question because I figured it'd be a, a good discussion because I already think he's wrong with whatever his answer is. So now we're <laughs> going to find out live on the air. Jim, what do you got for us? Okay. So about a year <laughs> and a half ago, uh, I had a family member uh, talking to me and he said to me, I found this very astounding. Uh, he said to me, you know, I know you have high goals and you know, yada, 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 yada. yada. Okay. He's in his fifties just for context purposes. And he said to me, you know, you don't have to be rich. I'm not rich. And I, in that moment, it clicked in my head. I said, I will never go to to him for financial advice, probably <laughs> any life advice after that. Now, I want to know, and again, for context purposes, this, this gentleman is in his 50s. I want to know from you guys as financial professionals, successful financial advisors, what do you make of that type of advice? Because I don't think I could be the only one out there who's gotten that advice or has gotten bad financial advice from older people or people from the older generation that aren't exactly financial advisors or know the ins and outs of the financial world and how to compound their financial future. Ooh, Who's going first? A, yeah, I was going to say, you make a couple real good We'll flip points. a coin. Who's going um, first? We'll flip a coin. Heads or tails. So <laughs> let me, because I want to dig into that a little bit, um, because as far as people coming in with terrible financial advice that they've received from relatives who have no idea of how any of this stuff works, but of course they're the experts. We see that a lot. It's really a hard hurdle to jump through um, because, you know, sometimes you're just not trusted as the expert, even though, you know, we are. Uh, but for his statement, you know, you you don't have to be rich. He's not rich. It's, 
what is he trying to say? Is like, it's okay to, I mean, is he still doing well for himself? Like, you know what? I guess that doesn't matter. So let me answer because there are a bunch of financial advisors and stuff out there on the radios, TV shows. You have to have a million dollars. You have to have $5 million. You have to have all this to be happy in retirement. And I definitely don't think that's the case. I don't think you have to be rich to be happy or even have a comfortable retirement. I do think you have to use the money that you have smartly. So we bring up all the time, you know, limit your debt because you don't need as much money if you don't have as many bills. Focus on your income because you can screw up your assets. So if you have income coming in, you know, your assets are just a bonus. It's just for emergencies and for fun, big purchases. So his short stance in, you know, you don't have to be rich, you know, rich is who defines what rich is. I definitely don't think you have to be a millionaire to be able to retire. I think you have to have just a proper plan in general. You have to use the money that you do have wisely. So I don't know. But I, I I've always asked think, questions about him. But what was your kind of stance on that? Okay, my, my here's my stance on it. And, and Jer, I want to hear your opinion on this. My stance, you know, coming from you, the older generation, Jr. Anthony, or I are in the same generation, and we're pretty much the same age. I look at now with inflation. I look, and we talk about it nauseum every week. We talk about inflation. We talk about the stock market. We talk about all the things going on financially and why you should call Rockford and Associates at 623-523-0444. Um, but the, what I, here's how I look at it. And it's, this is pretty black and white and what should be a gray area throughout life in general. If you are not rich, and again, that's a the term, it's, it's a very liberal term. term. Yeah. What is rich, as Anthony brought up, Jr. Right, that there really is no true answer to that. You can reach a million dollars, you may still not be rich, though, right? I mean, in New York City, you may make two hundred grand a year, but you feels like you're making thirty six k a year. There's a lot of external factors. What I'm trying to say. Long story short, though, my take is if you don't have generational wealth and you don't pass that down to your family in today's world, in today's United States, with and it ties in with the national debt that we have, it ties in with inflation, it ties in with everything financial. I believe if you can pass down generational wealth to your kids, to your family, you're not doing your due diligence and you're just going to remain in this gray area in life and you're never going to progress forward. And I think that if you ask people like me or you ask other people within the, your family, they'll say to you, would you rather us leave like a cool, I don't know, uh, maybe a cool asset that you don't know you could get a lot of money on or would you rather us leave you a huge nest egg when we do pass away, aka generational wealth, I would, personally for me, I'd pick the generational wealth. So I thought his advice was absolutely asinine. My <laughs> opinion. <laughs> all right. First of all, let me start out with the fact that you said I'm old. Remember that? Remember? I that? Did. No, 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 no. I said <laughs> older, older generation. <laughs> my dumb, my dumb uh, relative. Um, <laughs> couple thoughts for you. One. Obviously, I mean, I started in the late 90s in financial services, so I've gotten to see a lot. I have a lot of, of ideas on this because I've seen people that come in the office with a lot of money and they're miserable pieces of you know what. And it's funny, and I see people with, with a true fixed income and they're happy as a clam. So a couple things for you. One, you know, people are like, you know, you, ha you have to have money. First of all, you have to have your health because I can tell you if you're very sick and you're not mobile, 
and you've got a million dollars, life is not good for you. That's great. Generational wealth transfer. I love what you're saying there, by the way. You either need to win the lottery, you know, invent something, buy a business, turn it to a billion dollar business and sell it. So, you know, you're hitting something important. I can tell you one thing about money. Money is really, really weird. It changes people. I had a family dynamic when one of my relatives passed away. I was always the materialistic. I was the one that would have stolen money from the deceased relative's money. It turned out my sister, I'm going to get kind of specific. Maybe she'll hear this one day, who knows? But we kind of flipped roles and I had to deal with my mom passing. I had to deal with grieving and she swooped in and took the money. And it was funny because I would think it would be me, but we switched. So everybody, you never know what's going to happen with money. You know, one thing too, when I see people that they, you know, when they have a lot, in this world, we've just spent a year and a half telling people the world is uncertain. We're in uncharted territory. You know, we think there's going to be a bank bail-in. They've got 1.10% money. So if you have a lot, you have a lot to lose. Why did we take on this show? We want you to protect and grow in that order. So the people that have a lot of money, you have a lot to lose. The people with nothing, you're just going to move on. Things aren't going to change for you when the stock market collapses. That's one thought for you. The other thing is, you know, having money, I, I, you got to admit, when you look at the price of a Big Mac right now, when you look at the price of a gallon of gas, money is nice to have. You know, there's a comedian that says, you don't need running shoes. Or it starts out with, he's like, you don't need to drink to have fun. And the comedian's like, well, yeah, and you don't need running shoes to run, but it freaking helps. That's kind of how money is. It's like, you don't need money to be happy, but it freaking helps. I mean, what's the whole thing? It's it's easier to cry in a Mercedes than it is on a bicycle. So I... <laughs> And my, my whole thing, money nice is warm, so, heated seats in the Mercedes. Right? Yes. <laughs> blowing cold air in the summer up your uh, you know back Mercedes side. It, <laughs> it's funny. With money, it, it I thought this job was a science. Anthony's an engineer, so he's still somewhat trying to make this job a science. I learned the rules. I got my securities license. I got my insurance license, life, health, accident, disability, variable, all this stuff. And I once I learned the rule of 100, the rule of 72, I got to work. And then after probably the second or third appointment, I realized that's great. You can memorize things. You can sit with these people and have no idea what's right for them. I used to always think the man was in charge. I was I was totally stereotyping. I since realized women live longer. They're more in charge. We The man wants to take care of her. I mean, I, all this stuff taught me real quick. Money management is an art. It's not a science. So, well, let me I, ask I you guys this, if, if I may. Now, at the time when he gave me that advice, I was 29 years old. So I was, I was still young. I'm still young now. Anthony and I are still pretty <laughs> JR's young too. You know, uh, check out the YouTube page. Right. Too late. A little too late. I'm already pissed. A little too late. No, no, no. You, people have to check out the YouTube page, Another Money Show, and they'll see what you guys look like. And I guarantee you they will say, wow, those guys, their complexion, good looking gentlemen. All right. Here's the thing, though. So I was 29. Hey, give it context. Wow. 20, 29 years old at the time. I don't believe somebody in his 50s telling first of all a, a relative not even my father was telling not even my father um and and further context my father s said just ignore that advice and he said other things that i won't say here but um i don't think a relative if you're going to if you're going to give your nephew right there you go i guess i just outed who, who the person the relative is he's not listening if you're going, it's okay. If if you're going to give that, it's Thanksgiving, right? Maybe we can talk about it over Thanksgiving. Um, if you're going to give that nephew, that person, that 29 year old, that advice, that financial advice, 
Why would you ever give them the advice of telling them to live in complacency when it comes to finances and not, and basically say, don't worry about, about accruing money. Don't worry about building accounts. Don't worry about opening up multiple accounts or trying to get accounts with interest, good interest rates where your money can continue to build and build. Don't worry about that. You don't have to be rich. I'm not rich. That's how I took it. Now, as I'm asking you guys as financial advisors, if you have someone who is between the age of 29 and 33, and here's that advice from somebody who in their who's in their 50s financially, wouldn't you kind of say, well, that's pretty stupid advice because again, you're young. You should be trying to make as much money as you possibly could. We, because again, it's just an story. If he came from a lot of money, if he had money and he was miserable, he and then, the, the answer is he didn't. I should have said that, and I apologize yeah, for cutting okay. you off. He didn't come from a lot of money, and maybe he's uh, trying to help because he he sees maybe he's jealous because you're ambitious. I mean, maybe he's like you be, know just but... being such an overachiever. Money doesn't buy <laughs> happiness, and you you know most of the financial advice we see. You know, the only way we ever grow, we're a second opinion for people. We're a family practice. We don't have the backing of Schwab or, you know, Edward Jones. We all offer the same products, by the way. So go to a family practice, you're safer. But anyway, so maybe it's kind of what Anthony's gotten to see over the last five and a half years. 80 to 85% of the financial plans we see, we have questions. We think people have bought products. They've never gotten a plan. In most cases, you're, you're, Uncle might have meant well, but he's giving you garbage advice. I would say reach for the stars. If you, if you fall short, you're probably still better off than most of the people your age. I, it sounds like garbage advice on the surface. It, the other thing is maybe he's like, he doesn't want you to be set up for failure and he really loves you and cares about you. Speaking of which, I should have started this by saying the reason I am rich and not financially, I have Anthony's mother, my wife's love. <laughs> you're listening, Sandy? So I, I don't need money. I just need Sandy's love. Go ahead. Anthony, I know you have stuff to say. I zoned out through that one. <laughs> Good call. Good idea. No, uh, it's, yeah, the context, because that's a real simple phrase, just saying, you know, you don't have to be rich. To rule yeah. my world? Isn't that a Prince song? Yes. Come on, yeah. cue up the Prince song. I know it. Okay. Go ahead. Play that in the background. I don't know if we have the rights for that one. It's been like 13 seconds and that's about it. Yeah, I mean, that that question's left for uh, open for a lot of interpretations because I do, I agree to some extent, you know, we do have people that are absolutely, definitely rich and so miserable. And we got people that are not rich, but they're smart with their money and they're happy. So I would much rather, you know, people be smart with their money and happy than rich and miserable. But it doesn't seem like that was really the conversation. But no. yeah, I mean, because the, the truth is, and I think, I don't know how to say this, but a lot of- Well, it's Thanksgiving. Know, Just come out and say it as long as it's FCC. FCC. Yeah, yeah, I got all kinds <laughs> of- um, This will definitely be safe, but you get like these TikTok and YouTube and these commercials, but everybody's trying to tell you that you can be rich. You can be rich. You can be rich. And the truth is you, you probably can't. Some people <laughs> can. No, some people can't. But a lot of people, that's how they fall into these Ponzi schemes and these get rich quick things because it's like, Oh, this guy said I can be rich, so I'm gonna I'm gonna follow that, and I'm gonna be rich, and that's never how that works out. And I'm gonna but buy their cords for two thousand dollars. I'm gonna buy their book. I'm gonna buy their white paper. Not talking to you, Porter Stansbury or Jim Rickards, any of you. I'm not talking about the smart ones. Come on, you know that's how those people get rare. They sell yes. you on the fact that you could get rich. So that's um, I was gonna say a perfect example. All right, so we talk about financial advisors, right? There's that commercial out there. When you make money, we make money kind of thing. I'm a fiduciary. Yeah, well, most advisors fiduciary. And all for advisors make money if you make money, right? That's how 
that works. Yeah, and they make they're money. They're going to make money. Too. Don't make money. Yes. Advisors aren't making money because they're investing geniuses. And advisors are making money because you're giving them money. Wolf of Wall Street. Isn't it good if the advice, if the client gets ahead too? No. <laughs> no, you just have to have the next idea for the client. Fugazi, Fugazi. We don't want anybody getting rich. So then they'll leave you once they have enough money. We're getting no, rich because we get that old car. We get that car to hold cash via commissions. Uh... Such a great scene. And I know that people just enjoy the movie for what it is, but it was like the, the deep dive into the financial world. I wish our office It's all true. 100% it's all true. Did you listen to the show that I did last week without you? By the way, if you did, I'm sure you'll never go out of town again when we're supposed to record. it. When I talk about the FDIC, as we speak, they're in a little bit of a spotlight for some serious shenanigans. Oh, I heard. Yeah, it's amazing. It makes me I, I read a few more stories. It's it's insane. <laughs> it's insane. It's like that is Wolf on Wall Street today. And those are the people that have protected my money 1.1%. Good job, FDIC. Now, oh, nobody's protecting your money. Right? You have to protect your money. You have to have hard assets. You have to some have something that's tangible because if you don't physically hold it, you don't really have anything. You know, even stocks, bonds, annuities, life insurance, if things get weird enough, you know, what you can count on is what you physically hold. Obviously, we can't tell you if you are a millionaire to cash everything out and buy precious metals and keep it in your floorboards. But, you know, you got to start somewhere. You got to build that base afterwards. Then you can diversify, build a base and diversify. Also, should we now that we brought up the FDIC, should we play that clip now? Yeah, yeah, and let me let me give you a little backstory. Is that okay? That was yeah, a year yeah. ago this year. I I literally since, was it nice? I I FDIC meeting. I have been talking about that very thing since 2014. I was the fund manager for a very large account. It was close to 30 million dollars when I turned it over, and I so I'm responsible for other people's money, and there were people on the board that wanted stocks and people that wanted more risk. And it's it's funny because I watched the rules. I watched the rules for the money market, gates and fees. I watched what was changing through Dodd-Frank. I watched the odds of a bail in going up. And I was really nervous. I told people what's going to happen if this day gets here. And I, and I, for years, have thought it's a coin toss or more, is it'll be on a Friday. When did Desert Hills Bank, right next door, now it's next gear, when did they go south? Friday night. When did Goldman Sachs, Lehman Brothers, when did the Affordable Care Act pass? They do all this on a Friday night. They, they, then they figure they have two days to sort themselves out. They have two days for us to calm down. Between the two days, we have football. You know, thank goodness we're, we're dumb little creatures. Speaking of which, I'm going to really get Hold you on. Wait, wait, wait. Before you go off on this tangent, because you no, will go off on another tangent. It'll be a quick one. It'll be a quick one. I missed you too. Did you see at the football game last week, or now when you hear this, it'll be two weeks ago, there was a drone that shut down. It was either the Monday night or the Thursday night game. A drone went into the stadium, and they had to stop playing. And I was like, holy cow. First of all, how safe do you feel in a stadium? You know, I, I referred last week to the $30 million drone that was shot down somewhere in the Middle East or whatever it was. What if a drone came into a stadium? Sorry, I just I thought that I mean, was really interesting. It could happen. But what if it was with, what if it was like, to kill me? What if it was a biohazard? What if it was a weapon? <laughs> okay. okay. Wait, go ahead. This is really how you want to live your life. You just We're all going to die. Yes, I'm never yeah. going to leave my house. I have your so brother's Anyways, life. so you're bringing up 
the you know when you think it'll happen it'll be on a friday night so people have time to cool off and watch football but this is you know this is jr saying this who cares what jr has to say we've been hearing it for 15 years but now with this news clip that we're going to play from their conference you will hear them say that if they're going to initiate all this it's going to be on a friday hopefully a friday i think are almost her exact words hopefully a friday so that people have time to cool off and i just thought that was incredible that you've been saying this for so long. So they long. got it from me. That's where she came yeah, out. Exactly. They got this. They've been listening to me since 2014. They were like, yeah, we manage other people's money. No, it's frightening. All right, Jim, let's play that clip. I guess I am a bit pessimistic about your ability to communicate with the people who really need to know in terms of a crisis. Uh, there was a lot of interest um, just after the crisis. It's dwindled over time. And so people are sort of less and less interested in getting into the nitty gritty and some of the really interesting uh, developments. So I would think your strategy ought to be to disclose as much as possible to people who professionally need to know about it. And that would certainly include the ratings agencies and the people within the banks who are responsible for these uh, judgments. and simply have publicly available a place where people can go if they they need to know more. Because we're dealing with a society where people are getting their information in tweets. There's just no patience, I think, for going through the elaborate and careful planning that has gone on. It should be there. It should be accessible when people need to know. But I don't think you have much hope of, of reaching a public that doesn't have a professional need to know. I completely agree with that. I almost think you'd scare the public if you put this out. Like, why are they telling me this? Should I be concerned about my bank? Like, my insurance company doesn't tell me what they're doing with my assets. They just assume they're going to pay my claim. Right? It's, it's, I think you've got to think of the unintended consequences of taking a public that has more full faith and confidence in the banking system than maybe people in this room do, <laughs> that... We want them to have full faith and confidence in the banking system. They know the FDIC insurance is there. They know it works. They put their money in. They're going to get their money out. So there, there's a select crowd of people that are in the institutional side. And if they want to understand this, they're going to find a way to understand this. There's a bunch of law firms represented in this room. There's a bunch of people that will charge them by the hour a lot of money to explain this all to them. And, and, and it's fine. I don't, have a, I don't have a problem with that. And they all have huge staffs. But I would be careful about the unintended consequences of starting to blast too much of this out in the general public. I wondered whether there are some market tests of whether you're being heard. And I think about TLAC. So TLAC should spread, should respond to good and bad news about the institutions. And it's really important. I mean, it's a little bit conflicted, right? I mean, it's important that people understand they can be bailed in, but you don't want a huge run on the institution. But they have, I mean, they're going to be. That's and and it could be an early warning signal to the FDIC and the primary regulators when these things happen. And there may be some other prices, this is uh, similar to what Jay was saying, in the market that you can tell whether people understand how the who's going to be protected, who isn't going to be protected. We're thinking about creditors. Uh, how do you communicate with claimants? 
including about their claims determination, uh, how, how will the losses be allocated on the Dodd-Frank hierarchy, which is different than um, under FDI Act how, and under bankruptcy, and then how will the claimants be, be compensated? How does securities for claims process work? We mentioned that in the 2013 uh, thing that, um, that Betsy mentioned earlier. We're also wondering if we need to be more transparent about um, some of the accountability mechanisms that, that we have as well the, for the general public audience. You know, we are required to remove culpable management. Um, how would we go about doing that? Uh, do we need to re-emphasize that in the Dodd-Frank hierarchy that compensation claims are subordinated to general creditors and that prior compensation could even be clawed back if it um, and then finally, there's the funding mechanism. Um, you know, what part of that would be most helpful to boost confidence? I do think that the OLF and using it as the big, the big uh, gift. <laughs> it's not. A, it's not a gift, but uh, the big tool that we need in uh, Title II to help provide confidence. But what do people need to know to really to really get that? Um, you know, how important is it to explain the rules and the mechanics for the OLF? You know, how money will get from point A to point B. How would we use targeted guarantees to allay concerns about excess cash use? There's a lot of questions here. Um, and so, you know, there, there are a lot of things we've been thinking about. And what we want to hear from you today is what, your, what you think would the priorities would be in order to go about setting expectations appropriately in public about how we would execute Title II. So that if and when we do have to have that announcement on, on Friday night, ideally Friday night, um, that people are in a position to receive it, understand it, and say, yeah, that works. So amazing clip from last year's FDIC conference, kind of saying all the, the secret words out loud. Um, but we've been telling you that, you know, we have reasons for why we're trying to relay this information on you. You know, we're not making up our own ideas based on this. We're taking their words and giving them to you. Uh, but that's it for this first segment. We will be right back and we'll converse on this a little bit more. Where do people find us? Team at anothermoneyshow.com or 623-523-0444. And don't forget to check out our YouTube channel, youtube.com, Another Money Show. Thanks so much for being here. And we do hope you had a wonderful, safe and happy Thanksgiving. This is Another Money Show, except this one's different. This one's actually fun. Investment advisory services offered through Brookstone Capital Management, LLC, BCM. A registered investment advisor. BCM and Rochford Financial are independent of each other. Insurance products and services are not offered through BCM, but are offered and sold through individually licensed and appointed agents. Investments involve risk and, unless otherwise stated, are not guaranteed. Past performance cannot be used as an indicator to determine future results. At Rochford & Associates, we know the road to financial freedom is not a straight path. And the journey is different for every family. And in times like these, we want you to feel confident that you're safely on track to meet your retirement goals. We want to ask you to prepare for economic chaos. We want you to prepare for bank volatility. We want you to insure and protect your assets with a smart plan. Our team can help you make the most of your hard-earned savings using strategies that are right for you. I want more people to sit down with us. When we talk about a financial plan, it's different for every person we meet. We tailor make our plans. Schedule your no obligation consultation today by calling 623-523-0444.
That's 623-523-0444. Rochford and Associates, veteran-owned and proud to serve Americans like you. Remember, all of JR and Anthony's listeners receive a free financial consultation just for listening to the show. Visit anothermoneyshow.com to learn more and schedule an appointment. Thanks for listening to Another Money Show and subscribing wherever you listen to podcasts. Welcome back to Another Money Show. Be sure to join us every Saturday at noon on 960 The Patriot. Thank you for joining us as always, and be sure to subscribe to the podcast as well. Apple, Google, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. And don't forget to contact my guys, JR and Anthony. Give them a call, 623-523-0444. Again, that phone number, 623-523-0444. Usually, as the audience, you don't hear me bring these guys back in from their commercial breaks. But the reason I'm doing it this week is because this is kind of a Thanksgiving special type show. And I always like Thanksgiving week. I always like Thanksgiving. In fact, I like it better than Christmas and New Year's. And we'll talk probably talk about this in December. I think New Year's is also a little bit of an overrated holiday as well. I hate having to go out or that stigma of having to go out on New Year's and, and see the ball drop or see it turn midnight. I could see any night turn midnight, right? I do it anyway, but that may change very soon. Anyway, well, I'm sure we'll talk about that in December. But well, you I ran. do love thanks. I do love yeah. Thanksgiving. I do love Thanksgiving week very, very much. Um, so I want to ask you. It's always a, a week of being thankful for things, right, and being kind to people. And it, it's kind of a joyous holiday, in my opinion. Even though I don't like turkey anymore. So I want to ask you guys. You know, we always say on this show that we want you prepared, not scared. So what are some of the things that Jr. and Ant? Stepson, stepfather, stepfather and stepson. What are some of the things that you guys are thankful for this holiday season? Uh, Go ahead, Anthony. You're uh, overflowing with thankfulness all the time. Go ahead. Um, you're a you're a half you're a half full glass. Go ahead, Anthony. You first. Just thankful for having to carry this show on my shoulders so we actually get stuff done. Jeez. <laughs> Sorry. I know it's just these little digs. So fun. No, I actually am thankful for this show and being a part of this family office. I mean, I didn't have to be. I didn't really want to be. I uh, had a really good career, but I believed in what JR was doing for his clients, and I didn't trust any other advisors to take over should anything ever happen to him. So I'm really thankful that uh, you know mom was able to retire this year and be a part of the office now. I think it's great having her involved. Um, she works really hard, and she loved teaching, but... You know, that uh, dynamic of just the school system now is definitely not the same as when she started. So I think she's been happy being at the, the office now and being around and being able to talk to clients too. She's real. Well, she real knows sweet, a lot of them. She, we are. <laughs> there's a whole bunch of our clients that have known Sandy for years and years and years. So they're super happy that she's there too. So it's, it's great. My turn. Yeah. So obviously, I mean, it's it's kind of sappy when you say you're thankful for your family. You know, I had, I'm going to say kind of a dysfunctional family before. <laughs> no parents were divorced. Talk about your sister stealing from you. It's a good episode. Well, and, and that's that's one of the, you know, I was I was confident it was okay to bring that up because I think there's way worse stuff that she did. So actually, I'm, I'm not worried about that. And it's, it's funny with family, you know, when, when we had a parting of the ways, a lot of people over the years are like, you know, haven't you ever heard forget and forgive? I'm like, sure, I'm sure. But let me also tell you, I'm human. And part of my thing is 
when my mom died, if a total stranger would have cleaned out her house of money and jewelry and all this stuff, it, it would have been tragic. I mean, can you imagine going to Florida? My mom lived in Florida. I was in Chicago, Illinois. Can you imagine? Actually, I wasn't. I was in the military. I was here. I was in, Ar- in Arizona when she died. Can you imagine getting home and a stranger had broken your house and stolen your mom's jewelry and money? And I, and I, I mean, I don't know how you would ever forget and forgive that. Can, you know, in my opinion, blood is blood, my ass. It makes it magnified by a hundred times that a family member did that. A family member stabbed me in the back. And then a couple of years later, I'm pretty sure she lost some of the money. She went through a lot, lost some of the money. She wanted to reach out to me and apologize and be friends again. And I, the whole thing about forget and forgive, I, I will, I will never forget. I mean, no human would. So that's garbage advice. Forgive, eh, you know, somewhat. I mean, I'm, I'm used to it. You know, this is this is going back a long time ago. My mom was 56 when she passed. I'll be 60 in a couple months. So it's a lot. A lot of time has passed. I have no use to ever speak with my sister again. I've actually warned your mom if something happens to me or when. You know, I've had like numerous strokes on this stage, and if something happens to me, I've I've asked your mom not to communicate with her. I mean, I just I, I have no use for her negativity in our lives. With that said, getting back to thankful. I'm thankful that you're in the office. As much as we get on each other's nerves on this show, in the office, we do two different things. You're an engineer by trade. You, you're detail. We have an appointment with a woman that I, I, I'm big picture. I'm a storyteller. I give her the general advice. You give her the product specifics. You give her the plan in detail. I'm glad you're there. If something happens to me, like when, when my father passed away of cancer, if that happens to me, it's a fourth generation family practice now. That is very, very, very rare. And I did when when my father retired. I did look at different companies. I, I could have made way more money. I could have been in the corporate world a lot higher. And I thought the best thing I can do is what my father did. Help people. One person, one couple, one family at a time. Do the right thing and then just keep going. When we, I had somebody over the weekend that asked about coming into the office. It was actually at a barbecue and said, well, we don't have a lot of money to deal with. And I'm like, um, okay. I, I, we will help people. If it's $5, 5,000, 50,000, 5 million, it doesn't matter. We want to help people. I'm glad you're there to do that. You know, you say I have a good heart. Aw, now we're going to hug after this. Glad we're in two <laughs> separate rooms so we don't have to hug it out today. So this is, this is taking a strange turn. I don't know if this is exactly what Jim was thinking. <laughs> no, it is because it's Thanksgiving week and he knows I have a list in front of me. Jim knows that I have my own little outline. And it's all bad. And Jim doesn't want me to read that list today. I mean, I, you know, one example, the post office, <laughs> the post office. <laughs> I have all this stuff today. J.P. Morgan Chase coin coming up. Today is Biden's birthday. As we record, it's November 20th. He's 81 years. Old. I was going to make fun of that. I have so much to do, but it's all negative. So I'm, I'm happy. The office has been so good. I'm happy that Jay is doing well in college. I'm happy that so far my health is somewhat held out. I mean, I, I, I have a lot to be thankful for. We are very fortunate and blessed as a family. And I do realize that. And I look at, you know, I've been in the office for a long time. I look at these people that I've encountered over the years. I know you can't make everybody happy. I know some people are a good fit for me. Some are not. I see that with you already. There's people that want to sit with me, not you in the office. There's people that want to sit with you, not me, usually because you talk too much and too long. But there's, there's, it. It's funny because over the years, I honestly believe I have touched 
not 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 touch like in a what's the what's the Bill Cosby? I had not in the you know Harvey Weinstein. I have touched a lot of people's lives, thousands I would say of people, you know, to a certain extent or another over the years. And I look back, if I die tomorrow, I feel like I did the right thing. I know more than most of my clients. I had every opportunity year after year to go into sales. Financial advising, I always say it's slimy, you know, next to used car salespeople and timeshare salespeople, then there are financial advisors. Because even if you're the most honest one on the planet, if you work for one of these companies, I won't name names like Edward Jones because I don't need to be getting sued so close to the holidays. But if you work for a big firm and you're really honest and it's not right to sell something to every single of the six people that come into your office one day, you're going to have a new job in six months. I don't have to worry about that. I can make one new client a month and I'm still going to be here. And I've had years where that's happened. And it's, it's good because I go to sleep thinking I had the knowledge to do wrong and I never did. You know, these, these people that do products over a plan, I, shame on them. I've never had to be one of them. I believe in education over sales. I, I really think this has been wonderful. Is that what Jim wanted? Jim, Jim's gone about it. I think Jim fell asleep. I think Jim went shopping. He's gone. Jim's gone. He's like, all I wanted was either health or something, anything but money. By the way, Jim's uncle, we are conveniently located on 98th Avenue and Bell. We have a little satellite office in the White Mountains in Snowflake, Arizona. We are countrywide too, though. You know what the virus did? We know how to work Zoom. So we, we've gotten a couple different state licenses just to help somebody out of state. So reach out to us. All right, Anthony, do you, what else? Do you have any other stuff on your plate or do you want me to read my list of negativity? <laughs> I, I don't really know how to answer that one, but you said something about the J.P. Morgan coin, and I remember yeah. seeing an article, but I didn't have a chance to read it. I put it off to the side. So tell me about that one, because now I'm. I'm not going to tell. I'm not going to tell you about it because I'll just get excited. I I don't want any coins. I don't want somebody to take away the fiat currency. I'm not ready for the loss of the world reserve currency. I'm tired of the financial system in this country. We're now 33.7 trillion in debt. The FDIC, who are partying like little animals from Wolf of Wall Street, they're broke. They have 1.1% coverage on your money. The JP Morgan, you really want to trust JP Morgan with any sort of currency. They, they've tampered. What is going on? You're giving me opinions already, but you haven't even told me what it is. Tell the no, audience. Look it up. JP Morgan. No, no, I don't. You read it. You researched they, it. You tell me now. I didn't read it. There were no pictures. They think they are going to be the digital currency for what's coming when we when we have our financial restructure. They, they think it's going to be through a JP Morgan chase. Do you remember when... Was it Elon Musk? Uh, Facebook. Facebook started with a coin years ago. And I never heard anything further about it. They started with a cryptocurrency. I don't remember the name. So, I mean, there's no magic here, Anthony. It's, it's Are they talking coin. about releasing a coin yeah. or they have yeah. released a coin? I don't know. I don't. I, I really and truly don't know. I, I read this. I wrote it down to look into it. One of the things on my list, I have plenty to do for next week. I mean, I, I you know, there's new IRA and 401k contribution limits. There's a JP Morgan Chase. I, I wrote down property and casualty companies. I, I print an article. I haven't even read it yet about the raising of property and casualty still. And a light bulb went off. I want to know with State Farm, all state farmers, whatever, Geico, Progressive, are, the, are any of these companies, and I know I should know this, I just don't offhand, are any of these companies publicly traded? Because if you stop insuring all kinds of people in California, if you're doing commercials all over the place, 
with Jake from State Farm and Lizards and Flow, and you're a publicly traded company and you're making people go without insurance or raising their insurance at the same time that inflation is problematic, shame on you. You know, so and, and with the coin, let's let's move on from that because I honestly don't know much about it. I just know you you harp on Jamie Dimon having felonies and and you know I harp on the the fact that there's no money in these banks. The fractional reserve banking is at zero as of March of 2020. That means every single dollar we put into these behemoth banks can go out the back door into mortgage-backed securities, into derivatives, whatever they want. So I don't want any word on a coin from J.P. Morgan Chase. I, and well, by the way, in, I said in my appointment today. And I even said, I said that anytime you hear about the Fed or the economy or anything to do with money, said they bring in JP Morgan, they bring in Jamie Dimon, as if yes. Jamie Dimon is the expert on everything now, even though he's not a government entity, but it, they sure do rely on him like such. So the fact that, you know, I literally just told somebody that earlier this morning, and now you're saying that they're talking about releasing their own coin. I mean, yep. maybe that is, I mean... Do you think, here's the thing, with how in bed Jamie Dimon is with the rest of how all of this works right now. 100%. If there was going to be a U.S. digital or you know, cryptocurrency, which we already know that they're going that direction, but yep. do you think they would even bother attempting to release their own or whatever it is that they're doing if it's, they knew it was just going to get wiped out from the U.S. currency? You just, you just got me to tie it together before I even get a chance to dig deeply into it. It is going to be our currency. When we talk about Fed now, when we talk about, you know, slimming down banks, regional banks, community banks, and then it's going to be down to perhaps the big three, the big four, the big five. We we always think the granddaddy is Chase. Second in line is Wells Fargo. Shame on you, by the way. I've read more articles about their shenanigans that are never ending. And then it's uh, B of A, then it's City and some other ones. The light bulb just went off, Anthony. This is it. They are in bed with the government. They are. He is the CEO shining example on the hill. This is probably very likely the way to introduce our central bank digital currency. Call it the JPMC. (laughs) JPM. What they try to say Ripple was going to be in that the US was just going to adopt. Yeah. But yes. if JP Morgan Chase is getting ready to come out with their own coin, then this is the only one that I would say would actually make sense that this is the new currency. And it could be I don't know why they would why would they even bother if they know that the government's going to a currency unless they are going to just be. what the light bulb just went off. They're not going to bother. They're gonna let JP Morgan Chase come out with the coin instead of them. We already know it. We always have branches, they're the big dog. You know, so no, this this very well could be you know, we've been asked for years, is the central bank digital currency going to be backed by gold? You know, doubtful. We don't have all the gold. That's that's reserved for China and other countries. So, no, I mean, this really, this, this is huge to me. I mean, I can't wait tonight. I'm going to start researching that coin and see what I can find on it. I didn't find so, much. There you go. Maybe you heard it first here at another money show. We figured out what the next digital currency is. Because you know, it, it wouldn't be. My digital currency for the last 15 years, moderation is the key. Diversification has always been the key. Pay down debt. Buy hard assets. Are you watching the the unrest in this country, in cities, in colleges with Palestine and Israel? We are a powder keg in this nation. If, if we've gotten through to you at all on paying down debt, buying hard assets, it, it's 
the time is moving on. You know, it was last November, that clip we played, that was last November. Well, we're wrong again. Another year goes by. Here it is, November, a year later. Did the banks close, JR? Did we have the bail-in that you've been warning about? Nope, another year. Sky is falling. Chicken little JR is out there shouting that it's going to happen. You know what we are? It's one year closer. You know, the, the market, by the way, I looked in this morning again, today's November 20th, the Teflon Dow flying high. You know, the market, the melt-up is in full, full force. A lot of manipulation, kids. Don't be fooled. You know, when your market's going up, you may want to at least look at your statements. You may want to at least consider, should you grab some profits? Not giving you direct advice, just giving you a thought. But I can tell you what, that's funny. I mean, you just may have given me the biggest revelation I've had since we've been doing this show. That It may not be a government central bank digital currency. It may be a consortium of JP Morgan Chase and the government. Because you're right, Jamie Dimon is definitely the go-to. I mean, the Federal Reserve is not federal at all. So it is just a group of bankers. So it's already a group of bankers that control the currency. So are we just wiping out? Hold right there. How many people listening to the show know that the federal... And by the way, that's almost a deceiving name. If you call it the Federal Reserve, first of all, it implies that it's federal. It is not. Second, you apply that there are reserves. There are not. So that's a misleading name. How many people listening to the show understood or knew, or this is new to you, the Federal Reserve is not federal. It's a group of bankers. Pause for effect. Jim puts in crickets here. No, I'm sorry, Anthony. I didn't mean to cut you off there, but I don't even think a lot of people know that. I'm shocked people don't know that the Dow Jones Industrial Average is 30 companies. People don't understand a lot of stuff financially. They, they understand the heck out of the mass Singer in TV. They understand that, you know, burgers are going up in California because the minimum wage was raised. They, they understand that, you know, lots going on. They, they don't understand finances. And I think it's a very, very uncertain time in the world and people better start waking up. There you go. So if you don't understand finances and you would like our help with that, reach out. Team at anothermoneyshow.com. Find us on the web at anothermoneyshow.com. Uh, we still got more time though. What else is on your list? Well, where do you want me to start? You know, here, here, let me just anywhere peak your peak your interest. You know, the government shutdown was last Friday. I think it was the 17th of November. You know, did you hear anything about that? We hit another debt ceiling and the government, they just passed another resolution. We're okay now. I thought there's no ceiling anymore. I thought they took out the ceiling for the next two years. It was, it was a government shutdown. No, the ceilings, you're, you're correct. There's no say we can spend whatever we want. You're welcome, Ukraine. I'm glad that we still have a problem in this country with some people being food insecure as long as Ukraine's getting their pensions. No, no, it's just our attention span is nil. So Friday was supposed to be the shutdown. You didn't hear anything about it. On Friday, during the shutdown that night, I was reading a couple articles. We are importing beef from Paraguay. There's another thing for you to research. It, it helps It helps South America at the expense of the US. I can tell you right now, it's hurting cattle producers in this country. I mean, it's this. It's insane. Is the meat cheaper? Is the meat tainted? Is there a disease? I have all these questions. We have people in this country that need, we need farmers to get back farming. We need people to get back to a strong nation. And every time I look around, something else is weakening us. Why on earth are we buying beef from Paraguay in this country right now? Uh, Reuters, I read this on the 14th of November, United States Postal Service. I haven't brought that up in a little, little while. And we have friends. We have friends that, that work as postal workers. Uh, $6.5 billion net loss 
for fiscal 2023. Think about that. $6.5 billion loss. So guess what? Your stamps are going up again. I mean, it's so much, so much going on, Anthony. And I, and I, you know what? I wanted to do the good, happy Thanksgiving week stuff. So I better chill. I just, I, I can tell you right now, there's a lot of changes on the table. And even on Thanksgiving week, we better be awake. We better be aware. We better be nimble. Billy, I mean, that's what people expect from this show. Yes, they do. But I tried so hard. Jim tried. No, you didn't. Jim, Jim tried. Jim tried. You will find a way to convert everything into your nonsense. And I that's why people love me. That's why people yes. love me. So we, we do have a couple more minutes left. Let's talk about, I mentioned that it's that it's Biden's birthday today, 81 years of age. Happy birthday. He's going to celebrate by riding bikes and going upstairs. So I oh, don't be a little cat. Don't be mean. So I do want to talk for a second. If you, by the time you hear this, it'll be like two weeks ago. Did you hear anything about California cleaning up San Francisco? Because the the CEO of China, <laughs> the communist nation China, did you hear that Chi was coming to visit? So yeah. Newsom, Newsom, there's a clip running around the internet on Newsom. That people are like, well, you cleaned up the city just because of the cheese visit. He's like, yes, yes, we did. He came out and said the quiet part out loud. He's like, that's absolutely what we did. If I live no, in San, I love San Fran and what a trash city it is now. And by the way, how much did it cost? They they cleaned up, I think I read 137 homeless encampments. 137 encampments they cleaned up. What? But that's cost? the most liberal state in the country. That's yeah. They take care of their, their kit. Anyways. So we only have a couple of minutes left. I, I don't know. What are your thoughts? I kind of want to play that clip again from the FDIC and really push that point. If people didn't hear it before, or they caught it and missed it. You know, if you want to hear the whole thing, reach out to us at team at another money But I would love to just end on that because I feel like that's so important. What are your thoughts? Um, that, hey, you're in charge. I missed you last week. I'm glad you're back there. There's the happy Jerry again. When I see you, we're going to hug it out. I don't know if I'll see you this All afternoon. Right. So, if you've been listening to this whole show, and we really hope you are, if you caught us towards the middle, this clip from the FDIC last November talking about how there could be bank closures, and if there are, they'll happen on a Friday. Again, these are their words, not just ours. This is so important for people to hear. We're going to play it twice on this episode. Happy Thanksgiving, you all. I guess I am a bit pessimistic about your ability to communicate with the people who really need to know in terms of a crisis. Uh, there was a lot of interest um, just after the crisis. It's dwindled over time. And so people are sort of less and less interested in getting into the nitty gritty and some of the really interesting uh, developments. So I would think your strategy ought to be to disclose as much as possible to people who professionally need to know about it. And that would I, certainly include the ratings agencies and the people within the banks who are responsible for these uh, judgments. Um, and simply have publicly available a place where people can go if they, they need to know more. Because we're dealing with a society where people are getting their information in tweets. There's just no patience, I think, for going through the elaborate and careful planning that has gone on. It should be there. It should be accessible when people need to know. But I don't think you have much hope of, of reaching a public that doesn't have a professional need to know. I, I completely agree with that. I almost think you'd scare the public if you put this out. Like, why are they telling me this? Should I be concerned about my bank? Like my insurance company doesn't tell me what they're doing with my assets. They just assume they're going to pay my claim. 
right? It's it's. I, I think you've got to think of the unintended consequences of taking a public that has more full faith and confidence in the banking system than maybe people in this room do, <laughs> that we want them to have full faith and confidence in the banking system. They know the FDIC insurance is there. They know it works. They put their money in. They're going to get their money out. So there, there's a select crowd of people that are in the institutional side. And if they want to understand this, they're going to find a way to understand this. There's a bunch of law firms represented in this room. There's a bunch of people that will charge them by the hour a lot of money to explain this all to them. And, and, and it's fine. I don't have a I don't have a problem with that. And they all have huge staffs. But I would be careful about the unintended consequences of starting to blast too much of this out in the general public. I wondered whether there are some market tests of whether you're being heard. And I think about TLAC. So TLAC should spread should respond to good and bad news about the institutions, and it's really important. I mean, it's a little bit conflicted, right? I mean, it's important that people understand they can be bailed in, but you don't want a huge run on the institution. But they have, I mean, they're going to be. That's, and, and it could be an early warning signal to the FDIC and the primary regulators when these things happen. And there may be some other prices, this is uh, similar to what Jay was saying, in the market that, you can tell whether people understand how the who's going to be protected, who isn't going to be protected. Um, and then finally, there's the funding mechanism. Um, you know, what part of that would be most helpful to boost confidence? I do think that the OLF and using it is the big, the big uh, gift. <laughs> it's not a gift, but uh, the big tool that we need in uh, Title II to help provide confidence. But what do people need to know to really to really get that? Um, you know, how important is it to explain the rules and the mechanics for the OLF? You know, how money will get from point A to point B? How would we use targeted guarantees to allay concerns about excess cash use? There's a lot of questions here, um, and so you know, there there are a lot of things we've been thinking about. And what we want to hear from you today is what your what you think would the priorities would be in order to go about setting expectations appropriately in public about how we would execute Title II. So that if and when we do have to have that announcement on, on Friday night, ideally Friday night. Thanks for listening to Another Money Show. You deserve to work with a private wealth management firm that will strategically work to protect your hard-earned assets. To schedule your free, no-obligation consultation, visit anothermoneyshow.com. Investment advisory services offered through Brookstone Capital Management, LLC, BCM. A registered investment advisor. BCM and Rochford Financial are independent of each other. Insurance products and services are not offered through BCM, but are offered and sold through individually licensed and appointed agents. Investments involve risk and, unless otherwise stated, are not guaranteed. Past performance cannot be used as an indicator to determine future results. At Rochford & Associates, we know the road to financial freedom is not a straight path. And the journey is different for every family. And in times like these, we want you to feel confident that you're safely on track to meet your retirement goals. We want to ask you to prepare for economic chaos. We want you to prepare for bank volatility. We want you to insure and protect your assets with a smart plan. Our team can help you make the most of your hard-earned savings using strategies that are right for you. I want more people to sit down with us. When we talk about a financial plan, it's different for every person we meet. We tailor make our plans. 
schedule your no-obligation consultation today by calling 623-523-0444. That's 623-523-0444. Rochford & Associates, veteran-owned and proud to serve Americans like you.